This is the Cafe American Podcast. I'm your intrepid host, Chris Michaels. And let me tell you something right now. I have been having the an, the most immense amount of technical difficulties I have almost ever experienced. It is annoying as all fuck to deal with things like GarageBand, where you've got this hideous echo and reverb on the whole fucking thing. What? Who puts out this bullshit? This horrible, horrible, horrible podcasting equipment. Just terrible. Awful. Stupid. <laughs> and then my mic broke down. So now I got to buy a new mic. Because this fucking thing is not reliable. And Lord knows I need reliability here. Just, just immensely annoying. Immensely annoying. Uh, and I didn't even. Here's the other thing. I didn't even post uh, the the podcasts I did last week. I did two of them. One of them was about asteroids, and one of them was about the other bullshit we always talk about here on the Cafe American podcast. By the way, you can listen to me on Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, I shall be purchasing quite a few microphones, and hopefully, we will. Bleh, we will be uh, broadening our horizons as well. Believe it or not. Uh, I will be on terrestrial radio sooner than you think. And lo and behold, we shall not be using curses. And we will be bringing on guests, and it will be oodles and oodles of fun for everyone involved. How about that? Okay, so tonight's show, we're going to be talking about more asteroids. I mean, last week's show, which I did not post, involved asteroids. But asteroids... And get this, high-frequency gravitational wave generators. <laughs> okay, and how the patents were taken out for those. Only showing gold if you are from West Point. Aha, uh -huh. so this is their, they're only showing gold from West Point, which makes you believe or makes you suspicious of where the other gold bars may be. Uh, Norway has been telling everybody, uh, you know what, you're all adults. You can drink, eat, and smoke whatever you want, so don't come to us. The government's responsibility is to only provide you with information and potentially help if you needed help uh, in your debauchery. Uh, so we have Alyssa Milano in all of her dim-witted glory calling upon a sex strike and women should not be having sex, along with the leftist agenda of a, there, there was an academic study done, and it said, get this, that Google was stacking the deck when you performed searches on political stories. Shocker there. Matt Taibbi weighs in with his new book, Hate, Inc., and why the media is the way it is. The FBI also, if, you, if you're ready for this, has found a terrorist training camp in the foothills of Alabama uh, get an uh, if that wasn't enough the Iranian government is taunting the United States and saying amongst other things you don't want to do this you're not prepared to attack Iran uh, all the while the UAE is staging a false flag attempt or a false, false flag attack with four commercial ships supposedly suffering from sabotage and Fats Pompeo, you know, you should look up Sidney Greenstreet. He was an old actor from the 1930s and 40s. I think he went into the 50s. But all the, uh, you know, he is a dead ringer for 
uh, Fats Pompeo. Uh, he cancels on the Russians to, to pressure the EU into doing their own thing with Iran. Yeah, so that's going to work well. Now, get this. Venezuela, you know, they are in the midst of a U.S.-fueled civil war. I shouldn't even say civil war because it's not civil and it's not a war. It is a, an all-in-all-out fifth-columnist insurgency. So get that. Silicon Valley is on the side of the United States government, no matter what the leftists think and what the woke crowd thinks. And Guaido, aha, uh -huh. Barack Obama lookalike, Guaido from Venezuela, has been calling upon the United States for a bat phone direct link to the Pentagon when the uprising should begin. He would like direct assistance from the United States' military. Gee, what could go wrong there? Uh, and finally, this is what we'll get to at the end. So you got to wade through an hour of this bullshit. The Democrats... They're up in arms about how the Mueller report hasn't been released in its full form. We want the complete unredacted Mueller report out here right now. Well, the issue is that the most of the Mueller report has been released unredacted. And member members of Congress can see 99.9% .9 of the Mueller report in their private chambers. However... Not one single Democrat has taken the time to review the Mueller report in its 99.9% .9 unredacted form. So what are we really getting at here? And a former top Obama lawyer has said that he is quote-unquote nervous about Attorney General Barr. And finally, Schiff. And this, I hate Schiff. You know, if there's one more, you know, here's another thing about Schiff. Schiff and who who's the head of the Senate? Mitch McConnell. If you ever saw two people that looked more like turtles in all of your life, I would like to see those because Schiff and Mitch McConnell, they both look like they should be wearing tortoise shells and hiding under a rock during a hot day. I mean, these two fucking morons can't tell their asses from their elbows. And they're both pressure. I mean, they're just morons. So anyway, Adam Schiff is saying, don't touch Joseph Biden, nor touch Hunter Biden, his son, because you, you just can't talk about these things. And it's just icky to talk about. Well, Hunter Biden is, uh, well, he's under the microscope in the Ukraine because he did some icky things in the Ukraine. And it just so happens that Hunter Biden is working with the Chinese government. And the company that Hunter Biden is working for landed a $1 billion deal with the Chinese government. So, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Joseph Biden comes out and says, eh, China's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about them. God love you. Stand up. You're a bunch of fucking morons. Okay, so let's get started. That was a uh, seven and a half minute intro to all this. <laughs> That would not have gone well. We would have gone to a commercial in terrestrial radio form by now uh, because you can't go beyond 10 minutes. And so there there you are. I, I want to begin with the whole asteroid thing. There is a lot going on here. Uh, we've, uh, pardon me while I take a sip. 
for the past three weeks, we have seen more and more stories out there coming from NASA about how we need planetary defense against uh, objects coming from space. And they always reference asteroids hitting the Earth, even though for the prior, I don't know, however long NASA has been in existence, the pr at least five decades, they, they've always said, well, asteroids come and go. And they just go through, and we can observe them. And, and, please tell me why asteroids and meteor showers always go from top to bottom. How come they never go across the sky? That That's another thing I'd like to know. However, um, so they, they say, oh, there's just one in one million chance of these asteroids hitting the Earth. So nobody really has to worry about anything. Don't worry. And then all of a sudden, the past three weeks, oh, my God, we need to create a planetary defense force because right now the Earth is in danger and don't even question us on the. Okay. So here's the issue here. I brought this up in the last podcast. I'll, po I'll post that to Werner von Braun. Werner von Braun, if you don't know your World War II history, is the father of the Intercontinental Ballistic Missile, an ICBM, which led the United States and the rest of the world down this wonderful path called the Cold War, where Russia and, and the United States, and subsequently Israel, South Africa, China, and potentially North Korea, decides to shoot missiles into the supposed space, because we don't know if we're living in a firmament or not, supposed space, high altitude, and then they shoot back down onto Earth, and they blow shit up. That is the uh, layman's version of what Werner von Braun did. He's a brilliant person. After World War II, obviously he worked for the Nazis, and after World War II, he came to the United States and continued his work. Uh, he was involved with many, many projects, and Werner von Braun, on his deathbed, decided to regale us with all sorts of little tidbits of what the potential agenda for the New World Order could be. If you believe in the New World Order. I'm not sure I believe in the, fr in the name, but there is some sort of movement going on. Um, anyway, he said that in order to weaponize space, they're going to start telling us, the public, uh, many different things. The first thing was that, oh gosh... We've got terrorism on our hands. And then it was, oh gosh, we, well, first, I shouldn't say that. First was rogue states. Second was terrorism. Third is going to be, oh my goodness, we must do something about all of these asteroids in space because they could potentially hit Earth. And we could not fathom, we couldn't fathom the destructiveness of this outcome. So we must do something to go after all of these asteroids. Okay, that's that's one. And then finally, Werner von Braun on his deathbed said that when they start talking about aliens, then you've got to worry. Because once they start bringing up aliens, then the full weaponization of space will be assured. So this is this is what you have to look out for. And we all of a sudden have many, many people from academia saying that aliens have already come down to, to Earth and aliens have already been interbreeding with the human species. And it hasn't just started now. It's been going on for quite some time. 
And if you care to research Michael Cremo, who is a wonderful, horrible broadcaster, but wonderful thinker, uh, he will talk to you about all sorts of anachronistic items that are found within the strata of the earth. So he, he finds uh, tools that are in rock formations that should be billions of years old. But if we're to go with the mainstream science and mainstream academia, mankind is only about 60,000 years old with civilized mankind emerging around 8,000 years old. And so, you know, it's bullshit. So anyway, so we've got Werner von Braun. He's talking to us about this. And then all of a sudden, NASA for the past month has been bringing up news stories over and over and over again about how we must do something about all of these meteors coming to Earth and they could potentially crash into Earth. Oh, my God. So on and so forth. So we have another story this week. And this story is from where can i find it here anyway uh, the, the title of the article is nasa issues a warning meteorites are a threat to earth with an exclamation point no less hot damn so bridenstine uh he brings up a point about the chelyabinsk oh man chelyabinsk uh meteor okay so Rush, the Russian city of Chelyabinsk in 2013 displayed how dangerous these space rocks could be. The Chelyabinsk meteor had 30 times the energy of the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and injured around 1,500 people. However, here is the fun part. Just 16 hours after the crash, NASA detected an even larger object that approached the Earth, but did not actually land on it. Bridenstine said, I wish I could tell you that these events are exceptionally unique, but they're not. These events are not rare. They happen. It's up to us to make sure that we are categorizing, detecting, tracking all of the near-Earth objects that could be a threat to the world okay so the headline here is that we need something to stop all these media okay but why all of a sudden do we need something to stop all of these meteorites i mean he may have a point here with planetary defense and all but why the push now why the push now and all of a sudden we have this chelyabinsk meteor coming down but the real headline to this story is that there was something else coming along with the Chelyabinsk meteor that did not touch Earth. What was that other thing? And they're not very clear about that. If you go back a couple of years, you can remember the Hale-Bopp comet. And we had those... Those morons that committed suicide in the in the purple uh, purple sheets and black Nikes, if I remember correctly. I forgot the name of the cult, but they believed that there was an object that was traveling with the Hale-Bopp comet in its trail. And this object was of extraterrestrial origin. Mm -hmm. Moving right along... 
we have here that there was a patent put out by the United States or taken by the United States Navy for a high-frequency gravitational wave generator. Now, what in the fuck could this possibly be? We go, we find on and on. Okay, so here's the basic components of this patent. The first part, unconventional spacecraft propulsion systems. Second, measuring gravitational fields or waves. Third, electric, photoelectric, meaning light electric, light generating electricity, or magnetic indicating or recording means. Fourth, selection of substances for gas fillings, specified operating pressure or temperature having helium, argon, neon, krypton, or xenon as the principal constituent. Fifth, acoustic pressure discharge. Sixth, acceleration by electromagnetic wave pressure. Seven, and finally, measuring gravitational waves or fields, gravimetric prospecting or detecting. Now, wow, that is a lot of stuff here. A couple of weeks ago, I brought up the patent that the United States Navy took out on their supposed UFO-style-looking aircraft. And in that aircraft uh, patent, if you don't remember, I'll bring it up right now, they decided that it was best if you pump electromagnetic waves, so a whole bunch of magnets with electricity running through them, if you pump electromagnetic waves into a certain gas that is emitted around the object, then what you could potentially do is remove said object from the local space-time continuum. And subsequently, that object is no longer subject to the laws of the 3D reality tunnel that we all live in. And that means that this object could travel really, really fucking fast through air, through water, through space. And it also means that this object could potentially travel between dimensions. Aha. So this is going of what I just brought up is going along with that. Now, what's even more telling about this object or this patent that they just took out? was when you analyze all of this stuff. I mean, I'm going to sum I'm not going to bore you. They talk about vacuum energy space and basically all energy emits from a vacuum. So, I mean, you've got multiple energy emission sources within multiple vacuums and you know, you have to really talk about quantum physics here, but I'm going to paraphrase all of this and get to the main point. All right? Okay, so this is what they want to do with this patent. And this is what they could potentially do with this patent. All right? I'm going to bring up some technical terms here, but you can read between the lines with all of this. All right, here you go. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee before I go into because this is rather wordy. And it's also very telling of what they potentially want to do. All right, here we go. <clears throat> the implications of colliding and focusing high-frequency gravitational waves generated by rapidly accelerating vibration, in case you're agitating gravitational waves, 
spin of electrically charged systems can be used in applications of propulsion, like we mentioned before, as well as the extreme disruption of a planetary body. Uh, uh, this is the mic drop moment for all of you out there. Extreme disruption of a planetary body. What, pray tell, <laughs> could you be wanting to do with that? Uh, a planetary body usually means planet or moon. Okay, we continue. A disruption of a planetary body, since it can be shown that the energy level capable of annihilating a planet such as Earth is on the order of 1032 joules, that's a measurement of energy, which may be achieved with the concept at hand. Imagine a plurality of high-frequency gravitational wave-generating devices, a minimum of four, aligned around a planetary body or planetoid, such as an asteroid or a comet, along a planar axis, such as four cardinal points. The emitted high-frequency gravitational waves would impinge on each other in such a manner as to severely disrupt the vacuum energy space at a space-time locality denoting a point of impact. At this disruption point, energy would be amplified to such a degree as to generate a space-time curvature singularity, leading to the total destruction of the planetary body or planetoid. Excuse me? And they took a pattern out on this. So let's, let's really take a look <laughs> at what's going on here. Okay, so they what they want to do is they want to disrupt gravitational wave fields and they want to be able to generate their own gravitational waves to such a point where it will disrupt the frequential frequent the, the frequent <laughs> the frequency of a planetary body so this implies that the earth that we live on whether you believe in the globe or the plane theory is emitting reality on a certain frequential state, uh, 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 is emitting reality at a certain frequency. And so what they mean to do is disrupt that frequency to such a point where they remove gravity altogether and, can, and subsequently can destroy the planet. This is Star Wars all over again. This is frightening technology. And how come nobody is talking about this except some moron like me? And potentially Joseph Farrell. Not potentially. I. Th this is. He brought this up. So they can be aligned around a planetary body or a planetoid, such as an asteroid or a comet, along the planar axes, such as the four cardinal points. Now, here's the thing about this. If you are dealing with a globe-style mentality of planets and planetoids, then where could the where could the planar axes really be if you're trying to go north, south, east, and west? Unless it just it just doesn't matter. Unless you're at ninety degrees, no matter where you go. And then, but 
really what I'm getting at here is that if you're going for the cardinal points, you're probably talking about a flat Earth model. And all pilots, by the way, map their flight plans assuming that the Earth is flat and still. So, you know, you can run with that. I won't run with it right now, but you can you can figure out where I'm going with this. So they've... They, <laughs> so what they're... You know, there's two ways to go about... You're talking about the ultimate weapon of mass destruction here. What they're saying here is that they can create and dis, essentially dismember portions of reality, portions of the world, if not the whole world, in this local space-time continuum, in this reality tunnel that we're all interacting with on a group consciousness. They can disrupt that, if not destroy it. And they took a patent out on that. Do you, uh, This is mind-boggling here. But why would they want to put this into place? What are we doing here? Why is there all of a sudden all of these this discuss all of these articles that are coming out about planetary bodies and how we need planetary defense? And then lo and behold, we have something like this coming out where they're talking about disrupting gravitational waves to literally destroy planets or planes of existence. Because my opinion is, is that you have to replace the word gravity with level of awareness or frequency of awareness. Then all of a sudden, everything kind of makes sense. Because, oh, what, what do we have here? Oh, gravity is keeping us on the Earth and this sphere that's spinning and it's going around. It, it, it really, to me, I question that. I, it really doesn't make sense. Either they're missing something or they're lying to us and we're really on a more flat style model. Or a planet that's a lot larger than what they're telling us. So that's that's my two cents. Now, if we're going even one step beyond what I just brought up, we've got asteroids that are coming into the reality. Asteroids that are coming in, more and more asteroids. So you can say that this kind of technology, if it can meet the gravitational wave structure and you can alter the gravitational waves around an object or level of awareness, what you're doing is you're destroying levels of awareness in a group consciousness. How about that? You're, if you, all right, so let me go a little bit further with that. It, instead of gravity, and you replace the word gravity with levels of awareness or frequencies of awareness, then what you're doing is you're saying that, okay, all of, everything has a consciousness, and all of this, th this group of consciousness, this universe of consciousness is vibrating at a certain level. And if it's vibrating at a certain level, then yes, it will be able to interact with other, other levels of consciousness that's also, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's as, it's, if, it's as if you're tuning in to a certain radio station, like 92.3 or Z100 in their wacky, zany morning zoo. Uh, so you're, all, you're going to get all of these listeners. You're going to get all of these people that are vibrating at a certain level. And so they're able to interact in that environment. Okay, and but if you bring gravity into it, then it really doesn't make sense because then you've got to deal with gravity and gravitational waves and manipulating everything. What they're really talking about here is manipulating frequencies of reality so they can literally destroy the timeline with this technology. And they're using and they're using 
asteroids as the excuse to bring this technology into play. And I would not be surprised if CERN is involved with this. I would not be surprised if CERN is going to be the focal point of where this technology is really going to germinate from. I, and now that I think about it, I wonder what would happen if you replaced the equator and the prime meridian over CERN. I, went, I wonder what happens if you do that and what ancient sites you come up with and what also what kind of climate change and earthquakes you come up with if you did that. So that's another thought. You have to get to that later. Anyway, uh, so this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is something going on. We have the ancient stories. Yeah, oddly enough, something is going on. What else is new? So you've got these ancient stories about how this planet comes back into the solar system because that's where the gods come from. And the gods have created mankind, right? The first man that was created in ancient Babylonian myth, his name was Adamu. So if you replace the U, then you've got Adam. And this is where you get Adam and Eve from. And they just found out that they have found the first two human beings uh, where the mitochondrial DNA comes from, where we found one male, one female, whatever. Now, the issue that they're finding that they won't release to the mainstream media sources is that the male DNA that they found, the mitochondrial DNA, is 100,000 years older than the female mitochondrial DNA. So that means that man... The male species is about a hundred thousand years older than the female species, the female part of the male of the uh, human species. So it's true on that for as much as you want. So what I'm getting at here is that this ancient planet could potentially be coming back into the solar system, and along with it, you have a lot of theories and a lot of other uh, ancient texts that reveal that this planet that comes back into the solar system has a very, very detrimental effect on the other planets in the solar system. They knock them all out of orbit. They change their uh, poles. They bring along a great cataclysm. And so if this planet is what they say it is, it could potentially be a brown dwarf. And so that planet has a very, very dense gravitational pull. And if you have this planet coming back into the solar system, then yes, you are going to experience more meteorites and more asteroids and everything else that could potentially crash onto the Earth. And so what they're doing is they're probably trying to either, one, wink this reality out of existence with this kind of technology, two, destroy the planet before it actually does any sort of damage to Earth, Three, destroy the asteroids and meteorites that could potentially endanger the Earth, the Earth plane. See what I'm getting at here? You can't just look at this technology and say, oh, gosh, gee, Williker. No, no, no. You're talking about altering frequencies of awareness slash gravity. And this is what this is going to be a story that you have to keep following. Because this whole thing, now you've got the other asteroid that, that NASA is pumping out there. And they're saying that uh, this asteroid could hit Earth by 2050 or 2040, whatever the fuck it is. And they named this asteroid after the Egyptian god of chaos, Apophis, Ap Apophis or something like that. 
So as we all know, the Freemasons just love chaos because out of chaos comes order. And lo and behold, you will have a new world order after that asteroid actually hits. That's it for the first part of the Cafe American podcast, the more esoteric portion of it. I'll be back with part two, and we will be getting into more earthly style issues. This is Chris Michaels. You can listen to me on Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about Norway, the sex strike FBI training camps, or discovers training camps in Alabama. Uh, Iran taunts the United States. Venezuela is being assisted by Silicon Valley, or Guaido in Venezuela is being assisted by Silicon Valley. And finally, the Democrats have gone off the rails by saying, no, 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 don't look at Joseph Biden because he has done some icky things. Until, 